All I'm saying is this is the moment for you to show us what is real. If you want out, you'll take this pill. But if you are where you belong, you can go back to this every day, over and over, forever. too much exposure to social media too too much i think this is the year that i officially go full silent on facebook i think at this point the only reason i haven't deleted facebook is because i have like pictures up and there's Mm -hmm. like some people that i care if i have a connection with but do you guys use facebook at all regularly honestly i use i use it to share memes yeah, since the start of COVID, I, it's felt like, because before that, all I did on Facebook was like a funny thought would pop into my head and I would put it and like, oh good, that made my friends laugh. But yeah, just like, it's just not worth it. I haven't touched Facebook in probably 18 months, except for pictures and party invites. And I think that's, that's no what worries. I'm down to yeah. at this point. I'm just looking Whoa. at my own Twitter, trying to find the last time I posted something about myself. <laughs> it's been like and months. I, know I don't post time. about myself. I know. That's why I know it's been months without even looking. Uh, because I, I think it's a bad practice. <sighs> I, I've i been on a bit of a Scream kick recently because Scream 5 was good, actually. Uh, and I will fight about this. Are there people yeah. who don't like Scream 5? I've been hearing some people think it's too requally, and I think they can bite my entire ass. Let's see. What a, what a tremendous segue into the film we're going to talk about in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. And my um, overall thesis about that film. <laughs> I, I feel like this year is the year for movies with a similar thesis. I think this is the year. I don't know why this is the year, but like... May I I spoil, like, a very not-specific plot, but, like, overall philosophical thing about Scream 5? Go for it. Scream 5 and The Matrix Resurrections are the same movie of their own franchises. I would put Space Jam into that as well. Space Jam is (laughs) 1,000% the same thing as Matrix Resurrections. I cannot talk about Space Jam, too, so... And like, we, we don't I think, have to, but it's part of the list. No, but you're right. And I think that, that this is the time for that for some reason. Ghostbusters. Um, Ghostbusters. Just popping into my head now. Uh, yeah. So I am uh, I'm intrigued. Would Spider-Man fall into this category, even though it's yes. a Yes, yes, yes. I haven't it seen Spider-Man a, yet, so I, okay. I don't know if it falls into this bucket. It is. It is philosophically identical. It is. It is. It is about the nature of requels and revisiting and nostalgia and comfort. Yes. Yeah. No. That. Yep. It's yes. That was the other one I was trying to think of. Uh, I also am feeling like, by the way, uh, like the Loki TV show kind of did this as well. Um, oh, interesting. By by like revisiting different iconography. It doesn't do it as deep of a level, 
But just on a purely iconography-based level, it was trying to revisit those multiple homes and, like, establish that nostalgia, revisiting, reboot, requel kind of space. I, I see what you um, mean. I thought the, the like, episode one and two world-building of Loki was kind of, like, outrageously good and, and was something I'd never seen before. But there are parts of that show that 100% I agree with you. Specifically, I'm thinking, like, episodes four and five with all the different variants oh, yeah. that have been vanquished. Yeah. Kat, are you saying I should watch Loki? I'm saying that Loki is probably the best of the Marvel TV shows. Um, really? So if you're going to watch any of them, I'd probably watch that one. I'd probably agree with that, yeah. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I'm like Pacino I, I'm only halfway three. I'm only halfway through Hawkeye, though, so I can't weigh in on that one yet. Wow, I just saw I saw you retweeted the Matrix score, and it's a double nice score. That's fucking fresh. On the 28th of December, it got a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 69 audience score. Oh, yeah. And it, and it earned $69 million at the box office. That's yes. spectacular. Oh, yeah, that That's was amazing. my favorite thing I've ever found. I thought you meant you were rating the score of The Matrix, and I was like, hell yeah, man, that's a good score. I mean, can I just come in with a hot take? Like, can I just come in, like, hot, Go hot off it, the yes. presses here? On the top rope, yes. Hit it. Uh, I, I think this is my favorite Matrix movie. Hey, hey, let's get into it, let's get into okay. it. Okay. <laughs> before um, we do that, but hold on, before we, we, we gotta talk about very quickly your experience with Matrix 2 and Matrix 3. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you make me do this? I told you you needed to watch it. You I don't had... think I did. I you don't did. think I did. Dan, can you I back? would argue. I, uh, I think argue. The Matrix 2 kind of rips pretty hard. It's good. Uh, Matrix, Matrix 3, 2... I think, is kind of an abomination. The Matrix 2 has some moments where I was like, at least I get it. Like, I get what people see in this. I get what's going on. And it's um, all the I weird, also, like, this guy's a password, and Neo has to fight this guy who's a password. Like, that stuff Right. It's like, no, I, yo, I this like, dude's a walking like login that. screen. That stuff is awesome. <laughs> I like I like a lot of it, but also, like, some of the stuff is aged poorly, just not even visually, just ethically. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. And some of it, I was like, why? And then the only thing I liked in Matrix 3 was Sati. You're telling me you didn't like the I, orgasm cake? I did oh, not like man. the orgasm Can cake. Let, uh, the, the orgasm I, cake, I was watching I was watching it at a group gathering and I was like, <laughs> I need to I need to step outside. You need a DoorDash. You need a DoorDash. <laughs> I I will say so as a as a action connoisseur of the nineties and two thousands, I think that Matrix two is legit probably aesthetically looking and on a horny scale it's one of like the better action movies of the 2000s it's actually probably like the best action of the 2000s if you kind of and the, the comic book shit hadn't even started yet but matrix 3 oh my god matrix now, 3 is so bad it made me think i was wrong in liking matrix 2 which, like, I, I need you to take in the enormity of that statement. I sent a couple texts while I was watching it, and at a certain point I said, we are entering minute 20 of an action scene where I recognize no one. Um, <laughs> and I have been paying very close attention. Oh, but I, I'm going to be real, that's what I thought about the last hour of Resurrection. <laughs> but... 
there's a bit of truth to that. No, but at least it felt of a piece. Oh, absolutely. And I was absolutely. like, all right, you know yeah, what? Yeah. And I do think the, the weak spot of Resurrections for sure was the action. Oh, it's oof. Not even. It's, it's a little yikes on bikes. <laughs> it's, um, and it's got a real like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And at no point in any of those did someone give me an explanation for why. We can get into specifics, but that's sort of my impression of the really end of I was really hoping it was going to, like, pan out, and it was going to be Neo and Trinity, like, telling this story to children. And sure. that was, like, sure. yeah. the, the device they were going to use to, like, justify why this is kind of like this. Or, like, Bugs was explaining the story to children. That probably would have made more sense. Uh, yeah. But, like, it, it just didn't. I was like, all right, I would have been okay with the, like, it was a dream, like, weird out if that was what you were doing. Three is really bad in a way that is really hard to describe, mostly because, like, I felt like it was very confusing, it was poorly paced, and it was visually impossible to keep track of what was happening. It makes it very difficult to remain engaged past a certain point, because there's a solid hour of that movie that Neo's just not in. Probably more than an mm-hmm. hour. I was about to um, say, probably more. And, like, that, I, I I, couldn't with that. Do you fully understand why I said there was no need for Matrix 4 at all? Yeah, but Which I, I think also... Lana, Lana Wachowski would agree with you about. Uh, right, but... Yeah. Watching La- Resurrection. Lana would rather make it herself than have somebody else play in her sandbox. And that is what this movie is about, actually. Yeah. It is it is about like grief and making up for a major loss in her life and missing her friends, the the first people that she felt she made it with, Trinity mm-hmm. and Neo. And then it is also about I outgrew the sandbox, but I'll be damned if I let anybody else play in it. Yeah. And it's very weird for a spite movie to be this mm-hmm. good. <laughs> I feel like I think me and Kat are kind of aligned in our feelings. I, I will say I don't the Matrix, the original Matrix is my shit as far as like the ranking of the four. But I will say I like Resurrections better than two and, and way better than three. But I think I like it for the reasons that Lana wants me to like it and not the reasons that the action junkie in me should like this because resurrections to be very honest is a very mediocre action movie like the only yeah. good like fight i think is between smith and neo and then everything else is shot very poorly i'll be very honest the camera's close on a lot of these is too close i um, liked i liked the motorcycle fight yeah the uh, the swarm that was that was interesting. That was that was cool. Like but specifically, even though it was once, just that scene from Fast and the Furious where they yes. turn on all the robot cars and launch them out of windows. Specifically, <laughs> specifically the motorcycle part. It was though. yeah. Like, I, I thought and it was then, really and then to the building top because I think that that area being the like climax space is really important. And I thought that it transitioned into how that scene needed to end really yeah, well. I, yeah, the, the symbolic of weight of it was so much better yeah. than the action. Yeah. yeah. But it was so, also nice to see a a Neo scene led by someone other than Neo. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the way that this movie, even though a lot of the action is hard to identify, 
the way that it very seamlessly handed the reins back and forth between the two of them yeah is is an evolution even if it's a complicating factor and i think it serves the storytelling really well and for a matrix movie you your action needs to storytell as well and that did that pretty remarkably before we kind of get into the negatives of it i do want to spend a little bit more time in kind of areas that we thought were positive um now dan it sounds like <laughs> the list of positives may be a little bit on the low side for you but what are some of the things that you liked about resurrections i mean i think i'm still coming to grips with it for the most part and i have really mixed feelings about it it's not all negative i think there's stuff about it i really like i think when I'm not being hit with a sledgehammer of the point, specifically the first half hour or so, is like, Jesus, I got it. Okay, get, yeah, got it. Once it sort of picked up steam after that, I was sort of along for the ride. I thought the I thought the IO stuff was super inventive. I thought, while I don't like Matrix 2 and 3, I think the fact that Lana so clearly took so much of that lore really seriously and brought it into this world in a really like I thought all the IO stuff of like how programs come into the world and into the real world. It was like, God, that's that's Mm -hmm. the sci fi shit that like gets me go like that's so cool. And it feels like a logical build on what we have. A hundred percent. And it matches up with the Wachowskis kind of sentimentality they've sort of been working in since probably Speed Racer really Mm -hmm. is like their movies have a real earnestness which sometimes I find really off-putting and sometimes I can get on that wavelength and it's really just sort of a like Speed Racer it really works for me Jupiter Ascending I find like an insufferable slog but they're sort of (laughs) they're sort of similar Um, it's more fun with the drinking game yeah yes but, like, I thought that, as speaking about pretty fights, like, I think the stuff with Yahamatin in this movie mm-hmm. is sort of whatever. I thought that fight with them in the in the middle of the lake was sort of visually cool, and the way yes. that fight ends was really cool. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think, like, the first half hour and the last half hour are really what loses me. And the middle chunk, I feel like it kind of hums along in a fun way. And I think, like, Jonathan Groff is sort of chewing scenery, as is Neil Patrick Harris. Like, <laughs> both of them are, like... Having, like, in the way that no one can replicate what Hugo Weaving did in the first Matrix because it's Hugo Weaving and he's so weird and great, yeah. both Neil Patrick Harris and Jonathan Groff are, like, taking their own swings at being weirdo, like, <laughs> they mach- both, machine villains. It was, I love both of them. They, they both really great took ones. exactly what is likable about them and made it poisonous and yeah weaponized in a really yeah it's so good predictable as ever smith how did you find us you never appreciated our relationship not like the analyst the one my doctor he used our bond and turned it into a chain it's so obvious once you see it right but this whole altered code update really blew my mind I still don't know how he did it. He was a ballroom nerd. Hilarious. And me. Even more perfect. Maybe a little too far on the piercing blue eyes. What do you think? What do you want, Smith? I have such dreams, Tom. Big dreams. Well, mostly just extremely violent revenge fantasies, but in order for me to pursue mine, I need to dissuade you from pursuing yours. Hmm. Sounds like conflict. Inevitable. I am actually going to disagree with you a little bit about the first half an hour. 
so it's I, insufferable, and I think it's supposed to be insufferable. Like yes. you're supposed to hate all of those people, and I understand yeah. that. But it it really made me dislike. Like I wanted to turn the movie off. I disliked those yeah. people and, and being around them so much. Like yeah. so for me, the whole yeah. thing turned around when White Rabbit started that sequence every day being the same is it the same is it different the flashes of the faces changing in the mirror like is it the same is it different did i take my meds today and i don't know how how accurately they were able to kind of predict what it feels like two years into the pandemic um (laughs) sure yeah but that sequence to me of every day seeming to be the same did I take my meds today? Shit, did I take a shower? Wait, I did go to the gym. Wait, did I? Like, those, that is so real to me. And one of the things that I've noticed just peeking around on Twitter, as I am wont to do, is that a lot of action bros really hate seeing Neo as a man. <laughs> oh, I think that's the most interesting the, like, the characterization idea, of this movie. I agree. And the idea of him being laid low is mm-hmm. like appalling and off-putting to a lot of people, it seems like. And that to me is, it's the most interesting part. It's the idea that he was too powerful to be manifested into an ideal life where he wouldn't dig around too much. And yeah. Tif- Tiffany slash Trinity's desire to have a life with Neo was able to be, like a, a normal quote-unquote life, was able to be, translated into this fake family so it takes her a long a longer time to realize what she has isn't what she has like i i think that is a really interesting dynamic it says a lot about neo and trinity that i think that two and three should have made more time to say Mm -hmm. because i got to see their checks and balances a lot more and not just them being like horny for each other all the time um, which <laughs> or, is like or a, fated to be together, which is you just for all those three movies, you just feel they're supposed to be two action figures being smushed together. Like, no, they're right. supposed to be. They're supposed they to fit. be and they're like, yeah. yeah, that. Yeah, they were sold in a two pack and they fit. But also like the, the idea that like Trinity literally says the same line that Belle in Beauty and the Beast says to Neo when the Beast dies is you can't be dead. I love you. Mm. In Beauty and the Beast, you've seen them fall in love over such a long amount of time that that kind of feels earned, and to me it doesn't in the first Matrix. Yeah. So getting to see that love and the way that it translates, actually, and the, like, the yearning that this movie is punctuated with, even in scenes they're not in, you can just feel it. It is crackling everywhere. I agree with I everything think, you're saying. I think I was more put off, really, by the fact that they work at a video video game company that's making a Matrix game. Like, that stuff <laughs> I find so viscerally off-putting. And, like, the scene where they're, like, it's actually part of that montage, I think, where they're, like, going around the yeah. room and all these yeah. obnoxious millennials are described. Like, part of that is, like, okay, I get it. Like, Lana's sort of grappling with the discourse that has come after the Matrix but also yeah. part of it felt like this big middle finger to people who take her work seriously in a way that's like, <laughs> like people like, but people I love that though much and that's okay. But also people like care about the, the amazing thing you put into the world. And you're sort of going like, you're stupid for trying to pull that apart. And like, I, 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 kinda, I, kinda fuck with I, it I think it's more at the people who 
tried to blame Columbine on the Matrix. Oh, I think it's more at the people who yeah. who pulled it apart with the intention to just pull it apart. They weren't looking for anything more. They or were looking red to pill put holes in or whatever. yeah, exactly. like absolutely, fact, totally agree with that. Yeah, the fact that most of the language of the games has been like completely just. Or like the games, movies, you know, yeah. whatever, we're, we're, whatever, has been co-opted by like the incel community. Yeah, that's really disturbing, and I can only imagine why that would make you hesitant to revisit as well. And I think some of it is probably absolutely making uh, is I won't say making fun, but is self-referential to how that made her feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe, honestly, partially acknowledging why Lily chose not to come back at all. Yeah, totally. I think for me, my favorite line of this entire movie was Bugs when she was talking to Neo and she said, If this plug is actually real, then that means they took my life. And turned it into a video game. How am I doing? I don't know. I don't even know how to know. That's it, isn't it? If we don't know what's real, you can't resist. They took your story, something that meant so much to people like me, and turned it into something trivial. It's what the Matrix does. And weaponizes every idea, every dream, everything that's important to us. We're better to bury truth than inside something as ordinary as a video game. And it just feels like, I think on some baseline level, they probably had some one drunken night conversation between the two sisters, and they just kind of felt like, Yo, these people out here just really got me fucked up and I'm really sad about it. And then all of a sudden they got to make Matrix 4 and it's like, you know what? Fuck all, y'all. Like, obviously there's mm-hmm. people that interpret it in the positive way and those people are really supportive, but there's this other sect of people that just don't. They think it's, they try to do the, the red push that you guys talking about. They talk about it like a dumb action movie with bullet time and all that shit, but in actuality, like, we're really trying to get to the heart of this story that we want to tell, but it just seems like everyone kind of not everyone but it just seems like a lot of people kind of got us fucked up out here the the toxic masculinity aspect of the matrix that a lot of people seem to have taken from it and a lot of those people seem to be the people who don't like the neo we get at the beginning of the movie yeah whenever i see one of them tweet like neo wouldn't have to be in therapy i'm like neo lived through a war <laughs> like he died I, like most I, like I don't I don't know how to explain this to y'all but like the people that you idolize for for being manly men needed therapy like mm-hmm. bad things happened to them I am aware that you know the idea is that it's the analyst and he's trying to run everything but like I'm already looking forward to the anti-therapy takes that are going to come out about this <laughs> by the way um they're they're waiting they're right there they're waiting but like the idea that that neo in this world where he's trying to to live and be a person would realize something isn't working i mean throwing himself off a building would be indicative of that but uh you know 
even before that, it's clear he thought something was wrong. And instead of, like, he, he does try to get help. He tries mm-hmm. to not be that person. He tries to, to grow and do better. And creatively, he feels stuck and stagnant, and his worth is inherently tied to that. But that's because part of him is being withheld from him. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I just think I that whole thing know. could have been done without a Matrix video game, I guess. I don't know how to tell <laughs> some of these people that don't understand it that, like, n- no, this is a realistic portrait of war, actually. Totally. And, like, even, like, the Merovingian, who I laid oh low God. Merovingian. <laughs> I, I flipped out stand. when I first saw so good. And that's why you needed to watch 2 and 3 to get to that moment. Like, that was so great. You ruined every such my silky ass thing. We had grace. We had style. We had conversation. Not this beep, 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 beep. Art, films, books, they were all better. Originality mattered. You gave us space. Super suck and couch flex. Climity wiki business. Even though he was not someone you root for, you see what he lost and you feel bad. Yeah. Or or Sati. Like, I thought, by the way, the actress who played Sati, holy oh shit, God, dude. Jesus Christ. Um, oh, God. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> but, all, like, she she gave such a good performance. I remember thinking that her the actress who, actress who played her parents were really good in the other one. Or they, I thought they gave just yeah, enough, like, just well, enough guy, to yeah, still be definitely. programs, but uh, also enough to be a little like, okay, these people did like make a child, like they are in love mm-hmm. and also programs. And they so to see, child. I think the subway station is my favorite part of three, by the way. Just I was like, about I think, to say that. I think I, I think that part is so off-putting and weird and and cool. I really like that part of the movie. I love my daughter very much. I find it to be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But where we are from, that is not enough. Every program that is created must have a purpose. If it does not, it is deleted. I went to the Frenchman to save my daughter. You do not understand. I just have never heard a program speak of love. It is a human emotion. No, it is a word. What matters is the connection the word implies. I see that you are in love. Can you tell me what you would give to hold on to that connection? Anything. Then perhaps the reason you are here is not so different than the reason I am here. She is very similar. Her mannerisms are very in line with theirs. It's very subtle and well done, and I don't know if I would have noticed it if I hadn't almost immediately watched them back to back. To me, the story of Neo and Trinity, people laid low by the the war they thought they won, having Mm -hmm. to earn back, literally quite like earn back what made them special, you know, because they both can't fly until the end, the very, very end, Mm -hmm. is a much more interesting narrative than Neo finds out is is important, has to accept it. And I know that's really, really boiling it down to like one bare bones sentence synopsis, but I find that conflict of I had it, I lost it. What if Trinity says no? Mm-hmm. Much yeah. more compelling than like 
what if you're wrong and I'm not special, even though I keep proving that I'm special? <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. I mean, I think it's it's important that that people are able to make movies that are this from the heart and to make action movies that are this from the heart. We don't get to see very often, I think. Not like, at all. Yeah. And most 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 movies that that come from like I would say John Wick is a movie that comes from people who care deeply about the thing they're doing, but it doesn't like it's not wearing yeah. its heart on its sleeve like this movie is or like Speed Racer is or like Sense8 is like mm-hmm. all these things where you can like you're getting a window into who these women are like when you watch and and what they care about and like the fact that like you watch uh, Matrix Reloaded and you're like oh these these two directors, what they want is for everyone in the world to forget about gender norms and just, like, come together in a big orgy and fuck. And fuck. And, like, yes. that's what they want the world to be like. And, frankly, like, I support them in that goal. Like, great. It's a it's a mm-hmm. wonderful thing they sort of care about and, and take seriously. And, yeah, I think it's it's amazing that they were able to make this. I don't think they'll get they'll make another one, and I don't want them to. I think like be done, walk away from Ooh. this. But Let, uh, let's talk about well, let's ask that question at at the end. The other thing I want to touch on that I really liked is I thought that the costume design in this movie was stellar. Mm. I thought it was the perfect amount of an escalation on the previous movies. So not everybody's in the fetish gear, but everybody is in their own interpretation of that gear. I am very seriously debating dropping $300 to get a pair of the bug sunglasses. Oh, fuck. Um, All out. Do it. Um, like, fuck. I, I was Is like, 300 what they cost? Did you find them? They are 195 Great British Pounds. Okay. Translated to USD, that's 266 And they are going to be about $40 to ship, including export taxes. <laughs> so I will just say, uh, don't forget to tip us on our... Uh, podcast page uh all money that you send me is going to these matrix sunglasses baby so you know help help a sister out hey what's up everybody wwe hall of Famer, the godfather here special shout out to b hyphen and handsome bane for the wrestlecast power hour and it's available everywhere podcast or streams so everybody check them out you know the godfather will and it's time once again for everybody at the hyphen podcast group to come aboard the whole train smell your latest sweaty marks i know we've complimented the, the jonathan groff performance uh, but I do also want to shout out Morpheus as well. I like that he's not good at it yet. Uh-huh. I thought there was something really endearing about seeing Neo laid low and on the come up and Morpheus at the bottom working up. Because I feel mm-hmm. like by the end, you, you get it and the team is together and you're like, nice. But like watching it be a movie about everybody just trying to get back to where they were. Sure. And and not making it a farce, you know, because I do feel like they have a lot of movies that that come out that are like the one that comes to mind is I think it's called Red. That's like Mm. Bruce Willis and Helen Mirren. And the joke is that they're spies, but they're old. Oh, you mean retired and extremely dangerous? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know what Red stands for. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Jeez. 
And hey, and that's not necessarily a bad premise, but like I don't mean to be an asshole, but like an old fucking man <laughs> runs our country right now. Like for better or for worse, old people can do things. For the very most part, yes. <laughs> Whether um, or not they should is kind of different, but like the the <laughs> fact that a lot of like the later Die Hard sequels are laughing at Bruce Willis being old and still trying to be an action star. I kind of liked that this one was like, no, 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 no. everybody's trying. Young hotshot Morpheus just can't fucking get it together. Before we make the pivot, uh, uh, one thing I I will shout out, and we shouted out Neil Patrick Harris a little bit, but I did think it was extremely effective. The way they portrayed basically um, Neo basically getting like gaslit into thinking he was fucking insane. And I knew walking into the movie, I knew what it was going to be. But I was like, for a minute, I was like, yo, there's no way they're going to do this. It would have been pretty nuts, but I think it was successful. And they did really kind of show how effective gaslighting, unfortunately, actually is. And so I did think they when, pretty well. When the scene is in the mirror... And Neil Patrick Harris can see him. And yeah. he takes his hand and he starts doing the de-escalation. Not, no, even before oh, that, 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 when yeah. he just goes like, feel this, this is solid, this is real. I don't know if you, you've rewatched the scene. I literally ran it back. He just leans in. Yeah. Because, like, that is what he's been conditioned to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so as soon as he's found the thing that's solid and meaningful, because he has been told to doubt anything that happens to him. Yeah. He does it. Yeah. And and it it happens later on in the movie too and the only thing that stops him from from leaning into that is Trinity telling her husband I always hated it when you called me that. And yeah. that sequence starting. He says the come on Neo and then he he starts doing the de-escalation thing again, yeah. which again, as someone who like wanted to go to school to be a mental health professional, I do just want to state for the record in all likelihood your therapist is not gaslighting you. Uh, yes. You are not the leader of a, an online your virtual reality server revolution thing. Like, And if you are having issues with your therapist, I encourage you to find somebody that fits you better. Therapists are like handmade shoes. Not everyone's is going to fit you. So please don't use this movie as an excuse to stop going to therapy. Definitely. The anti-therapy message in this movie is maybe the only thing that I really, like, some of the action scenes, I'm like, all right, whatever. But, like, that was the only thing that made me go, like, oh, come on. Mm -hmm. What what are we doing here? Well, it's officially time for The Pivot. And I'll say flat out, one of the biggest things I really disliked about this movie, they should not have named Yaya Morpheus. At last. I wasn't too sure about the callback, but, you know, it's just hard to resist. What? Morpheus Uno, reveal at the window, lightning, thunder, and theater. At last. All these years later, here's me. Strolling out of a toilet stall. Tragedy or farms? They should have called him, like, Schmorpheus or something, like Morpheus Jr., but, <laughs> you know, Yaya, he's a young actor. He's com- He's up and coming. He's in a lot of uh, great projects and a lot of not so great Candyman, um, but I think he's a sub. Even he's a, even he's, in he's a fine actor. Even in Candyman, he was good. By the way, 
He was the best yeah. part of that godforsaken movie. Yeah, he's a fine actor, but naming him Morpheus, it really just made me miss Lawrence Fishburg. Like, I don't know what. And mm-hmm. this movie actually cemented how much I love and missed Morpheus and the Oracle. I really felt like a longing for both of them. And I miss the Oracle a lot. Yeah, and it didn't really hit me how much I, I love both of those characters until this movie. So not having the Oracle, you know, okay, but they they should not have named Yaya Morpheus. Like I, I'm only calling him Schmorpheus or or Fly Bald Black Guy. I'm not calling him Morpheus. <laughs> I just can't do I, it. I feel like they could have made a really interesting point had they so chosen about uh, like Orpheus. Um, <laughs> like, no, seriously, the the character from Greek myth who goes to hell to try to save his girlfriend. And he looks back to make sure she's okay and accidentally dooms them both. If they were going to be heavy handed with their symbolism there, sure. uh, they absolutely could have done that. I don't know Um, what you mean. This movie has a light touch on all of the points it's trying to... It definitely didn't choke slam me into a folding (laughs) table of symbolism at any point. Nay, nay. It did not. I agree with that to a point, but at the same time, like, the idea that this is going to sound really bad, but uh, if you can't make your own Morpheus, Storbot is fine. Like, <laughs> that's what, like, Neo took everything yeah. he could remember about Morpheus, a man who, Smith, yeah. if, if we go all the way to the, from tip to tail, Neo knows Morpheus for four months. Yeah. And they're not even together all of that time. So he just took everything he knew about Morpheus and, like, dumped it in a, in a, robot maker yeah Yeah. and this is what it came up with you know it's it's not perfect but it it works in a pinch (laughs) if you can't uh, make your own morpheus robot is fine like it's yeah we've got morpheus at home yeah exactly um (laughs) hilarious and i know that's what they call him but like it he can you can see that it doesn't really fit him either he doesn't do the all the black he does a lot mm-hmm. of the long coat, which I love, but he goes for the colors. He goes that for gold the... suit was pretty gnarly. Oh pretty my good. god! I, I can I just say the tailors in this movie <laughs> do, do like, work. Well, because it's one thing to have like a PVC or a latex smith who knows exactly how to work with that material, right? And and that's where a lot of the costuming in the first one comes through. And I think that they do a beautiful job with that. And I think that. You know, first of all, if nothing else, it gave a lot of fetish workers a lot of work. And that's a huge deal and very important. And it also added a lot of legitimacy to, like, fringe fashion. And I think that's really important. And one of the things that I noticed in this movie is that they are trying to fold that into. But different types of fringe fashion, not necessarily fetish fashion. Some of it is definitely fetish fashion, but some of it was much more leaning on, like, modern definitions of cyber goth. Um, Lexi is a very, like, neo-up look. I don't know if anybody mm. noticed, but she had little like pedal pushers on and those big cat eye sunglasses. And I thought that was just the sweetest. Like the idea mm-hmm. is that each one of them has found like a subgenre of alternative that is their home base. And I just think that's a really sweet update. Yeah. And so, you know, one might argue that Morpheus is, is basically... <sighs> I don't want to evoke the name Cam Newton on the podcast, but like, oh no! The, the only reason I started watching the Patriots games when we had him was to see what he would wear each time, because sure. he would he would 
dress like that. And he would let what he was wearing say what he was trying to say. And I don't think he was a good player. And I can't speak to whether or not he's a good man. But I can say that he knew how to dress to to talk. Some hella fun outfits. (laughs) Right. But even, like, on one of their games, he had, uh, like, Wakanda iconography on his shoes. Mm. Um, And I think this was the game that they were making, like, a statement about George Floyd or something related to that. And he, like, leaned in slowly through just patterns and iconography to exactly what he was trying to say. And I think that there was a lot of that kind of cross-coding happening with Morpheus 2. We just didn't spend a lot of time investing in it because there was a lot to get through. Yeah. Dan, yeah. Uh, th- this is your time to shine, buddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so other than some of the things we kind of talked about that yeah, we yeah. kind of identified, uh, what were some of the things that were that you thought were drawbacks on the movie? I mean, I think at, at points this the the script is straight up bad. And like the lines that people are saying sound ridiculous coming out of their mouths. You mentioned the Oracle scene before, and like the Oracle scene in the first Matrix is so tightly written. And that scene just crackles. And like there's yeah. so much like you want, uh, I'll tell you something that'll really bake your noodle. Like all those like really <laughs> fun lines. And this is something that has come up with a lot of their more sentimental scripts, I think, is that they they no longer talk like human beings. They talk like the Wachowskis wished people talked, which I think it's fine. And maybe that that hits someone better than it hits me. But like there's a way to make techno babble sound cool. And the first Matrix really does that. And this Matrix, like all the techno nonsense they're saying, I'm like, I don't care about anything you're talking about and like the sound mixing is weird and i can't hear a lot of what the people are saying because people are talking quietly i will say i don't know if that's an hbo max problem because i yeah i noticed that really bad on matrix 3 i actually kept track of how many times i modulated the volume yeah and it was over 40 times in in the length of the movie um, so I don't know if that's an HBO Max problem or if that is a Matrix Film sound design be, yeah. choice problem or if it's both. I mean, but that's still a Matrix problem because they knew this was coming out on HBO Max. So that that's still a fault that they have to kind of take. Well, I'm just wondering if HBO Max literally just can't. Like, if it does not yeah. have the bandwidth <laughs> to actually stream a whole movie properly. Uh, I mean, I mean, this is technically 4k um yeah it's it's pushing data and i will say like we talked about the end a little bit and like i love integrating trinity into the the sort of lore of the one which is really the two at the end like i think that's really fascinating but they did such a terrible job of working me up to feeling that when they go out over the skyscraper and trinity catches neo which i think is a really powerful moment I didn't yeah. feel like they'd done a good job at all of selling me on why she could do that, how she could do that. Like I said, it was a lot of, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And I, the movie just sort of clumps along towards the end and then ends. And I was like, that didn't feel like very satisfying the way that closed I, out. I think it probably doesn't feel that way is because in the cafe is when she kind of, you know, realizes her power and she realizes she's really Trinity. But then between that moment and then the skyscraper moment, 
you just have the swarm and there's nothing just but bodies and explosions and, and neo stopping bullets and yeah and so some, and also sometimes in that sequence she is bugs like sometimes she is not even oh yeah, actually yeah, yeah. trinity mm-hmm they're doing like the 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 eject or whatever from the matrix so so no i i understand that i can see that i mean for me i thought that the the whole idea was that the power came when she gave up what she wanted with neo but got elsewhere like the family she gave up what she had always hoped for with somebody else to be with him and he was still not really believing that that Mm -hmm. happened it took him like kind of having to to in this case quite literally have a leap of faith uh where yeah. he fell and she caught him for him to to get that back yeah i don't know if that's just the like part of me that only watched indiana jones 3 until i was in college uh <laughs> or or what Hilarious. but like for me that was a, a pretty also in the interest of full disclosure my dad was a sunday school teacher and like i my sunday school teacher specifically and like as a side effect of that i feel like i read in a lot of christian iconography and in things that exist and since matrix one is basically a messiah metaphor i think that it would be you know whatever is jesus christ superstar is the night before he gets killed and he wants to see mary magdalene because she knows that she'll see him again in the future because they're both gonna die whatever anyway you know yeah simple stuff so, oh, we so didn't for, talk about the weird surgery scene, which I realized was like gross and fucked up and cool when they were like had robots doing open heart surgery on Neo. When the the oh, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is describing how he's rescued Neo and Trinity, and like the, you got to have some good gross out stuff in the Matrix, and that was some good like gross out stuff. Yeah. Um. Also, I just liked how absolutely over it Jada Jada Pickett Smith was. Is that who it was? <laughs> Niobe. She's like yeah. 90 she, in this movie. She uh-huh. looks amazing. Like, to know what she looks like in real life and then see her mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, at first, I was like, that's not her. Like, it, they, they hired her mom, uh, like, or her mom's mom. But the performance that she gives and the energy that she gives and the conflict that exists in that entire performance. Like, the performance that she gives is so against the tone of the movie because so much of the movie is yearning mm-hmm. yeah. for togetherness. And hers is yearning to be left alone. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think she is part of why peace. she... Yeah, the middle of the movie where she's around, I, I was sort of clicking with it the most, I think, because I was so on she's board like, for her vibe. We got blueberries? Fuck out of here with your <laughs> robot war. <laughs> and she do had not a- understand we have farming she's really not about sacrificing the whole just for these two fuckers like literally these <laughs> two fuckers so yeah even, also pull, even, pulling the genetic code for fruit and vegetables out of the matrix is dope as shit that is such yeah. a rad idea that i yes. i was so in on i'll be honest i kind of wanted to hear more about that I hope that this is it, right? I hope we don't get any more, like, Matrix movies. I hope that this is the note they choose to end on, because I, I think it's awesome. I want another Animatrix. Ooh. I want short stories and bits and bobs sure. about the stuff that's happened in that 60-year span, either in or out of the Matrix. Mm-hmm. But, like, I want to know about the farming I want to know about the machine civil war. I want to know about the negotiation that happened after the fact. 
Tell me I, about the experience of the first machine to come into the real world in the yeah. That, like, give Ooh, me whatever that body. story was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And keep them tight. Keep them 20 minutes to a half mm-hmm. an hour. You know, do them in, like, the style of Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, actually, oh, you, oh, I'm really glad you brought that up. So, so that was going to be the dismount. Well, not the dismount question, but one of the last questions. So we are fully anti-Matrix 6, but with the caveat if Matrix 6 is really Matrix Animatrix Redux or Reloaded or whatever, we're pro that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because oh, I know that, that Lana is hesitant to let other people play in her sandbox with Neo and Trinity, and I don't blame her. But she's now opened up a ton more really interesting possibilities in that sandbox. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a comic series, I'd actually check out a comic series too. But it does like a series of one-shot comics. But it seems a shame to let those go unexplored now that we know that they're out there. Mm-hmm. Especially because there has been ancillary material done before. Yeah. Even with the scene, like the writers and stuff are basically debating what the Matrix is without even talking to Neo. I think that was her scene that like, you know what, I'm making this movie. You guys want to say whatever you want to say about it, but I'm not coming back to this motherfucker. Like, mm-hmm. So I think, I and I do hope that this is the mic drop that we see them fly off. They say they're going to build this new world. We have no clue what that new world actually will look like. Uh, people can write fan fiction and have theories about what it will look like. And that'd be, uh, hopefully that can be pretty dope. But I think the dismount of them flying into the sunset together, hand in hand, I think if we don't get matrix five. I would be very satisfied with that ending. Mm-hmm. Can I just say that the kiss in this was like the most cathartic earned <laughs> shit. I this. I the whole movie is saturated with yearning that like crescendos to that point. Yeah. And I'm usually like, all right, come on. Like I'm not, I'm not a big, like get on with it. I don't have all day. I don't need to watch people like make out. It's fine. It landed, landed resoundingly. My dream. You know, so I'm at the scene where they just got pulled out the Matrix together, and basically the movie's over before they go back to see Neil Patrick Harris. And I just had a crazy thought: What if <laughs> Trinity got pulled out? And her first question: So, uh, what time's the orgy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they don't they don't do that here. Trinity's not what? a one man woman anymore. <laughs> Listen. I don't trust the Wachowskis, to either of them, to really handle polyamory well in a Matrix movie format. (laughs) I love to so much. (laughs) They were horny as fuck, yo. They were so horny. It was so great. (laughs) I would would just love, like, if I feel like if they did try to do that. Like, you would buy your tickets and you'd get emailed, like, a PDF you would have to read ahead of time <laughs> that would, like, explain, like, all right, this is this is ethical non-monogamy. Like, okay, okay, come on now. No one's going to do this. But if we, ha- if we get to our utopia of a bunch of androgynous nerds doing it, then... <laughs> Everybody's got to read the packet. Oh, man, that is the end game, man. Holy shit. <laughs> That's what we all dream of. Yeah, the androgynous nerd orgy pit is really... <laughs> androgynous nerd orgy pit. 
Hey, if if it's what, the 21st <laughs> century city of Oz, truly. Um, How honestly, you, though, like no no joke, the scene in Reloaded. I think it's it's during the orgy scene where Neo and Trinity fuck for the first time. The way yep. it's yeah. shot is pretty amazing because you can't tell who is who. Yep. Like yes. you can't tell which one is, and I think that like that's a brilliant. It was it's a the way that scene is shot is is really really smart and and cool. I I definitely feel like you see a lot more fingerprints of, uh, like, gender discomfort, knowing what what we know now about the Wachowskis and their gender journey than probably on first watch. And I kind of, that is the thing I like, I think, the most about watching those movies. And the thing that I like about this one is that it very much feels like it assumes you know that already. Mm Mm-hmm. I talked about this when we did the other episode, but we grew up with that not even being a thing. And even for me, rewatching The Matrix again now, like, it does make it a bit cooler. It does add a bit more to something that was already pretty fucking legendary, so. 100%, yeah. Now, the only thing that I'm going to say after watching all of these, the fact that they use the phrase free your mind as often as they do and at no (laughs) point included the, like, disco vamp, like, free your mind in any of the marketing (laughs) material or anything. The Warner Brothers had to like put some limits on these gals. Like, look, the the Warner Brothers were like, listen, (laughs) this is, I think, a little much. We're Um, not giving you that. We're not giving you the thumping house music you inevitably requested for the trailer. Put, I know, I know you did. Put Donna Summer back. (laughs) You can have the fetish gear or Donna Summer, but you can't have both. Is it bad that I now want to re-edit the original orgy sequence to Bad Girls by Donna Summer? Because I know it would work. Hell yeah, do it. <laughs> Put it on TikTok, it'll work. It'll totally fucking work. Hey y'all, before we close it out, just want to give a shout out to the podcast, actually. <laughs> Today, the episode will release on February 11th. But two years ago, me and Kit Kachinetti decided to take this wild ride with We Should Do This Again Sometime. Uh, February 12th is the official podcast birthday. So cheers to us. Cheers to you. Thanks for riding with us. Season 5. You can tell we're off to a great start. And many more to come. See you next week. Peace. Follow Kat at Kat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus, at Show and Mad Love, on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter, at Cat and Mark. Be sure to read us at, catseasmovies.tumblr.com, and, themarkrob.wordpress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley, and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? Yeah!